Welcome to This is Type 1, real-life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. I'm Colleen Mitchell, and I've had type 1 diabetes for over 25 years. I'm a life coach, fantasy author, and engineer. I'm passionate about type 1 diabetes education and showing others that this disease doesn't define me. Hi, I'm Jesse Tugney, and I've had type 1 diabetes for over 10 years now. I'm currently a student at Montana State and learning more and more about how our world works. My diagnosis has inspired me to take control of my future and learn everything I can about it. Each week on the show, we'll talk about real life with type 1 diabetes, feature members of the type 1 community who are just like you, and above all, encourage you to understand that this disease doesn't have to hold you back. This isn't medical advice. This is life with type 1. Welcome to episode 148 of This is Type 1, real life type 1 diabetes with your hosts, Colleen and Jesse. Today, we're reviewing Jessie's first year of college and the lessons that she learned about living alone with type 1 diabetes. Before we get into it, I have the win of the week, and my win is that I've made it through 22 of 52 hikes for this year, so that leaves 30 to go. I've gotten a pretty good handle on my blood sugars for hikes that are up to two hours long, so now I think I'm ready for the next phase of going longer and higher, and that's higher in elevation, not higher in blood sugar for hikes 23 and 25. So I'm doing two of the peaks, I guess, quote unquote, peaks here in Missoula, Mount Jumbo and Mount Sentinel. And um, those are going to be coming up right around when this episode releases. So I'm excited to get to those. Jesse, what's your fail? So my fail is that I am kind of trying to switch doctors to one in town and it's going pretty well so far, but it's just very discouraging how much paperwork and how complicated it can be really and can get very quickly if you don't know the answers to a lot of their questions. And that's okay. I mean, I'm usually most of the time you just tell them, Oh, this is my first time switching doctors by myself. And they're going to be pretty understanding and compassionate. So but other than that, that was just my fail. It's a little difficult at the moment. You get the same kind of uh, difficulty when you have to switch insurances too, because then you have to change everything. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. The hack this week is really more of a tip for Jesse here, but it's to make note of all the things that you want to change about your college experience for next year so that you don't forget about them. And then also record the things that you liked about this year. That way you're kind of curating your own experience and you're making the most of it so that when you look back, you'll have kind of a, a an outline of what went well and the things that you decided to change. All right. So to get into the episode, as Colleen said, we are going to kind of be talking about my first year of college. My last semester of the year ended in early May, but right now I'm taking summer classes. So I'm still continuing through a later late June, but the first the full year ended in May. (laughs) There are a lot of like ups and downs when it comes to college in general, but definitely adding diabetes into the mix can bring a whole lot of different learning experiences that you never thought possible, to be honest. So I kind of broke it down into two different parts for this uh, things to know about college and then things to know about college and diabetes or diabetes with college. So to start out with, there's a bunch of lessons you learn in college in general, more of like who you are as an adult and who you are as your own individual person. When it comes to moving to different states, it can be a little bit of a culture shock, to be honest, like not in a major way, like going to a different country can be, but just enough to know that something is like, like all of your furniture is moves half an inch to the right. Just minute little things to where it's not entirely noticeable, but you definitely have an understanding of like things are done slightly different here. 
a good example of this would be when I was first meeting a lot of people and moved here that they said I have kind of an accent, but a non-accent, which is very common for people from the Pacific Northwest to be like said about to where we over-enunciate words is one that I got a lot. Like we pronounce every syllable in a word, or we just put emphasis on different parts of a word than people apparently do in Montana and like other places. My husband calls this putting the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Yeah. (laughs) So it's definitely true. And especially when you're getting like kids who are also from other parts of the country too. And it's all big one melting pot of different cultures who kind of collab with each other. But it's all very similar. It's kind of interesting. And then something else that was different was than I thought it would be was how much time you actually do spend by yourself. Of course, you're going to have like your roommate, your friends on your floor, your people who you're in classes with. I had a, you know, rugby team, but at the same time, you're mostly, mostly alone sometimes. Like there are points where you're like, Oh yeah, I'm studying in the library. I'm walking two classes by myself. I own, I have this class with this person and you get, do you get to know a lot of people? And you're on campus with thousands of people at a time. But at the same time, it's like, how often do you see those people constantly? And it's surprising how much time you spend by yourself walking from places to places, exercising, eating, just things like that. But at times it can get kind of lonely. And then other times it's definitely not lonely. And you're like, oh, get away from me. Because there's so many people and there's so much stuff to do that it's hard to like... It's hard to get lonely for a long, long time. And then if you have a meal plan through school, you will not do a lot of cooking. And everybody always says this, and it's very true. Because honestly, I thought I was going to be doing a lot more cooking than I actually did. Because my meal plan lasted Monday through Friday. And then weekends, we would be on our own eating, you know, whatever. So we would just go to the store and get like hoagies. And that would kind of last us the entire weekend. Or we would have snacks And then that would last us for two days. But you really don't do much cooking. It's a very communal thing, though, if you can bring like your friends into it and make like a friends dinner kind of a thing, which is really fun. We ended up I ended up cooking at least like two, two meals a month or so with friends. And we would just like get along pretty good, meet up, cook, eat. And then just running to the store for like weekly snacks and grocery shopping isn't as easy as you think it is, by the way, (laughs) because when you don't do it your entire life, it's kind of interesting when you are just left to remember all of the things. I've gotten very good at making a grocery list on my phone and actually looking at it when I'm at the store instead of being like, oh, yeah, I'll just remember that I need that. That never works. (laughs) So... Yeah, definitely remembering how and what you need and the portion sizes for a person versus like four people is very different. So you always want to size down. I'm not going to lie, unless it's like a staple food like rice or cereal or peanut butter where you're going to go through it eventually. But still, it's like don't get the jumbo pack of fruit or like drinks because you're just one person. It's going to take you a while to go through and it takes up so much room. So... (laughs) Tangent over. <laughs> and on the other hand, when they market those big bags of like Cheetos or chips or whatever as family size, yeah. when I was in college, I was like, no, 
that's college student sized. <laughs> Which is very true. Like you get hungry and then at midnight you're like, I'm hungry and tired and just want to go to bed. And then you just find these random snacks everywhere that you didn't think you had and you eat them and then you get back to studying or doing whatever it is that you were doing. And it's just like normal there, which is so bizarre because it was very unique college bubble situation. And just to be clear, we're not encouraging that you actually go out and eat an entire bag of chips oh, by yourself. Please don't do that. that. That's just a mixture for disaster right there. So yeah, grocery shopping, definitely an experience by myself. I've gotten pretty good at it now. But at the same time, I like to go with my friend who is also trying to learn how to grocery shop by herself. So we definitely make an experience of it. And then when it comes to figuring out how to be most productive at school, there are certain places on campus that are meant specifically for work to be getting done. Well, on the other hand, there are places where you probably shouldn't study and you won't be as productive. And it can get kind of frustrating if you're trying to understand something and you really can't. For example, for me, doing homework in the dining hall never really worked out because it was so noisy and I would see so many people and there's so many distractions that I just, I couldn't be as productive as when I went to the library or studied in the common area of my dorm room. So yeah. And then, so you'll, you'll definitely find your friends in the dining hall is also another way of thinking of that too. If you're ever looking for somebody, they're most likely getting food is what I've learned. And then one other huge adjustment that I had to make was finding a work-study balance with also relaxing and like having time to myself and outside hobbies. In college, your brain can only take so much information at one time, like once. So rather than going and studying for five or six hours with one topic, you I usually end up only studying for like an hour, two hours at a time and then I would have to get up and go do something else or go get food or go work out for an hour and take a break because your brain can't take that much information and process it all to where you're going to understand a lot of it in the long run. So with that being said, at night, I would study for like two, three hours right after class, get ready for rugby, go to rugby, come back, study for another hour, hour and a half, and then go to bed, which ended up really helping in the long run because it gave me that break. And it also gave me like it exhausted my body, but my brain was still working. So it felt good. It like sleep also was great for that. Like that helps with your sleep too, is when your body's exhausted you're able to get better sleep. And that's something else that they don't tell you about college is that sleep is so important. Like your brain does so much work and it's so exhausting to like get a degree. It it just is like any degree is just exhausting to get. You're putting 115% into your school and it's all of your brain work. So if somebody, if you're exhausted and you're tired, you should go take a nap, like take advantage of those in between like class breaks of stuff, because in the long run, it's really going to help you out to get the sleep that you need and can focus on hard concepts. <laughs> okay. So the things and that kind of wraps up about most of the general things I learned about college. There's not, I mean, a lot of it comes with like the experiences that you go through, like your college experience is going to be really different from your dorm mates 
And that's just kind of the way that it goes sometimes. But yeah, college is a very personal experience in in my opinion. Like you go through it, you know, you're kind of on your own depending who your friends are or like if they're in the same major as you. And you realize being an adult kind of sucks sometimes. But at the same time, it's the greatest feeling in the world when you get to accomplish something for yourself that you're doing to better yourself in the long run. So I know that was very long winded, (laughs) but yeah, college is such a learning experience and more than just the academic sense of the word. Like it's, you're learning how to be a person basically like your own person where you don't have to ask to do anything. You don't need permission. You just go and do the things that you want to do and you're responsible for it all. So then these are the, some of the things that diabetes and college have taught me, which is quite the experience, by the way, because with diabetes, you know, you know, a lot being in high school and being pretty independent, you know, how to manage yourself and you know, like most of the basic stuff, but when it's just like, well, for me, I move states. So for me being by myself, I'm actually by myself with, I'm responsible for myself, which is really cool, but it's not necessarily a ton of like, oh, this is a new thing I learned. This is brand new information. It's more of relearning some of the basics and realizing how like different things can really impact the way that you live your life. For instance, there was some times where I had to put my diabetes first instead of hanging out with my friends or doing some like on-campus activity that I wanted to do because things like getting sleep, people your friends might not understand that because they don't have diabetes. They might not understand like, I actually do need to rest because my blood sugar is really high right now, or I need to go on a walk and to make sure that I'm doing okay. And they might, they're just not going to understand until you get to know them on a pretty personal level, pretty much. But yeah, diabetes can be literally exhausting. And there's so much more like emotional things that happen with diabetes when you're in college and you're kind of on your own, then people can really tell you like, yeah, they'll say, you know, make sure you have all your supplies, make sure you have all your insulin. And then at the same, the flip side to that, there is so much emotion that goes into being diabetic, like worrying, anxiety, sense of security. You're not wearing your CGM. What's my blood sugar? But I can't test right now because I'm in a, in like an exam or having some of that even social pressure to be like the perfect diabetic or pretending that everything is okay when actually it might not be can be really, really exhausting. Like just from my experiences, diabetes is exhausting. So definitely putting yourself first with your diabetes is a huge point to consider and think of. And then something else that I would also consider was that your medical team who you have back home might not be the best fit for you anymore. Like it, they might not be able to answer the questions or help you with the concerns that you need when you're at college. And at least for some of my experiences recently, your doctor might not be able to be in your corner, like sometimes at all and sometimes only partially because they do have other patients, but you're also not there to go and ask questions or stuff like that. Unless you're like really set, you're living with your parents, you're not necessarily as on your own as I am because I I did move 
like a state away. So this is very like more of like crossing state lines might impact you more than if you're staying in your hometown and you're able to like still go to the same doctors and stuff like that. So with that being said, when you're moving across states or to a different area who where you might not be able to go to your doctor the next day, be like, hey, I need help. You might want to ask for a recommendation to a different endocrinologist because they might be a better fit for you than somebody else. And I will say being in a college town does help with this because most of your endocrinologists are going to have other college patients who also know what you're going through and kind of can help specialize with like, you're a college kid. You're, you are kind of a child. You're not really, but you're kind of a child. So we're going to look at you a little differently than in a good way than somebody who's had diabetes for like 30 years is like very established in their life. So, I mean, you should definitely ask for somebody who's get, who gets to the point and is an awesome doctor, but those are just some things to consider. Another thing is how important it is to be on top of your prescriptions because I could have saved myself a lot of headaches about being on top of my prescriptions and making sure they're delivered and making sure that my doctors are on top of it too and sending emails and calling the pharmacy is so traumatizing and just so much work sometimes. But at the same time, in the long run, when you get what you need and feel a sense of pure gratification that is like nothing else (laughs) and you're able to really appreciate one your parents for taking care of this for so long and two your the growth that you are having as a diabetic as well and then the last thing i just wanted to say is that you should always have a backup plan in case something goes wrong for example which of your friends or does your RA have your parents' phone number in case something goes wrong and they can't get a hold of you or vice versa? Or say you have to go to the hospital, heaven forbid, that you have to go to the hospital and your parents probably want to know that you went to the hospital. So what do you do in case of an emergency? And I would say making up this plan with your parents before you leave for college would put their mind at ease a lot. Because it is a safety thing, you know, you like parents want you guys, the kids to be safe and yeah, have fun. But at the same time, if something goes wrong, you're going to want to plan. You're going to want somebody who is very responsible in your corner. And usually that's an RA. I think they're pretty good at like calling parents and being like, hey, your child needs help. Or I would highly recommend letting your RA know that you're diabetic too, by the way. That's another small tidbit. But yeah, those are kind of the major things that I learned about college and diabetes and a little bit of life. (laughs) It's not much, but they are big life changers. (laughs) Yeah, I wish that I had had the forethought to do something like this when I was in college to just kind of review my year and figure out what like what worked about college with both college in general and diabetes, what didn't work. And then what to do differently for the next semester. But I was not that intelligent back then, (laughs) despite going through a mechanical engineering degree. I would say also that at least in the first semester of college, when everybody's like still like, hey, we all just graduated two months ago and we're adults. One, there's a lot of parties that happen that first semester. Please don't get sucked into that. It is so not worth the energy and the time. And two, most of the high school drama that you think you got rid of, 
we'll stay with you until like the end of winter break when people are like, oh, we need to let a lot of this go because we're being ridiculous. So definitely be easy both on yourself and on your friends for being a little chaotic in that first semester because it's a big change and just give yourself some time to like figure it out and you don't have to figure everything out like the first week I mean just take your time and enjoy it like that's one thing that I really tried to do even more so now is just to enjoy college and like the ups and the downs and just taking some time to appreciate I made it I'm here there's, it's a lot of work, but I'm here and I'm I'm doing the best that I can and I'm and it's turning out okay. So definitely doing that too. And it's going to go faster than you think. So for our listeners, I am 10 years older than Jesse. It still feels weird to me that I am like done with college and I've been out of college for so long that I am actually 10 years older than Jesse and she's just starting her college career. It just feels weird. And another spoiler alert is you're you're still gonna be figuring it out even through sophomore, junior, senior year, even into your first several years of working full time or whatever you choose to do, we're always going to be figuring it out. The secret of adulthood is that we still don't know how to adult. (laughs) And another thing too, is like, it can change. You don't have, if you figure it out and you're like, oh, this is my path. Your path can literally change on a very daily basis. I know people who have changed their major three times and they're very successful now. And you don't have to you don't necessarily have to take the same route that everybody else is too. I will say like most people are like, I definitely need to go get an internship. I have to do this. I have to do that. And the FOMO is real. Like the fear of missing out, that is very real sometimes. But at the same time, like you have to follow what your gut is telling you to do because that's what's going to be best for you. It's not what's the norm of college. And it's okay if once you finish college that you don't end up using your degree. The point of college is like the experience and the education that you get and kind of being exposed to different viewpoints in the whole world aspect of it. I don't use my mechanical engineering degree. I mean, I have a nice diploma on my wall that says mechanical engineering on it, but I don't really use it that much. Don't actually do any real quote unquote engineering. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the gist. Take your time and enjoy college, basically. So our question for you guys is, what is some big life lessons that you learned from moving around to a different state, to a different part of your life, moving on from something? And then if you are in college, what are some lessons that you are currently learning? That is it for this episode of This is Type 1. You can find the show notes at inspiredforward.com slash episode 148. That's the number 148. Apply to be a guest by visiting thisistype1.com. Our music is by Joseph McDade. College is just one of many life transitions that can add a huge extra layer of stress on top of the layer of stress we're already dealing with with type 1 diabetes. Other layers of stress might be moving, starting a new job, or even just trying to figure out how to live life without type 1 diabetes looming over you like Professor Umbridge. If you're ready to get off that emotional roller coaster and stop hating how much type 1 diabetes butts in, please head over to inspiredforward.com slash coaching for a free consultation on how we can work together to eliminate that stress. I'm on all social media as at inspired forward. And our email is Colleen at inspiredforward.com. Our podcast Instagram is at this is type one pod. That's the number one. In case you look it up, 
I'm personally on Instagram as at JJ underscore Crystal K-A-T. Please feel free to send me questions or comments you have about type 1 diabetes or about the show. And if you do reach out, just make sure you let me know you're a listener. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to listen next week for another episode about real life with type 1 diabetes. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.